0: the third Sunday of Advent, and we are going to continue looking at these themes related to Advent. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the theme of hope in Psalm 146. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Psalm 146. We're going to be looking at verses 5 through 10. If uh, you do not have your Bible, uh, you can follow along on the screen. If you have or you need A uh, copy of God's Word uh, to look on with this morning. You should be able to find one in the seats next to you, uh, either below you or in front of you. And if you don't have a personal copy of God's Word, uh, we would love to bless you with that. You can take that. That is our free gift uh, from Copperfield. Uh, We'd love to help you study that and learn more about God, but that is a free gift to you. So that hardback um, or brown, um, uh, that hardback, brown, or black Bible that you'll find, uh, that is free. Take it. We, uh, if you have somebody in your family that needs one and you want to help walk them through um, scriptures, take it. I mean, we, I want to encourage you to take it. It's nothing that we enjoy more than seeing people walk out um, with Bibles to study and grow in the Lord. Uh, but if you have one of those, you can find the passage we're looking at this morning on page five hundred nine, page five hundred nine. So, Psalm one forty six verses five through ten. We're looking. at This Advent Sunday morning at the theme of hope. Uh, Many of you have already heard that our mission as a church is to invite all to build hope-filled homes in Jesus. So naturally this morning's uh, theme resonates deeply with us. We believe that there is hope for every home because of Christ. We believe there is hope for everyone to know the peace, the joy, the love, and forgiveness that only he is able to provide. And so in many ways, that's what our message is about this morning. So if you have your Bible and you would like to stand, uh, we are going to read verses 5 through 10. Psalm 146, 5 through 10. Looking at this theme, happy is the one whose help is in the Lord, whose hope is in God. Psalm 146, 5 through 10. This is God's word to us this morning. Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the wicked. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. You may be seated as we go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing upon the study of his word. Father, we we know that this is a song, it's a song of declaration where we've been called called to praise you. And, And Lord, we recognize that our hearts are not always inclined to praise you. And we recognize that's because of our misunderstandings and our own rebellion against you. And so Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts this morning to join in with the psalmist to praise you. And that Lord, you would use this brief meditation on your word to stir that up within us, to see who you are and what you've done and why you are worthy. We ask this in Jesus' matchless name, the name that is above every name. Amen. So, looking at these verses this morning, verses 5 through 10, I want to break this passage up into th- two headings. The first heading is found in verse 5, which essentially describes God Is the God who is our help and hope. The God who is our help and hope. And we're going to have a little bit of repetition this morning because we're going to reread verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob and whose hope is in the Lord their God. I want to make a simple point here that could be easily missed if we don't slow down for a second. What is this passage saying? It could be that we initially read this passage and what we hear is God provides help and God provides hope. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that what the psalmist has said is something far more substantive than God helps and God provides hope. A lot of us can provide help and a lot of us can provide hope, but that's not actually what the passage says. The passage says that God is help. God is hope. Who he is in his being, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in triune fellowship. He is our help. He is our hope. Not just a provider of help, not just a provider of hope. He is the one that we go to. He is the end, as some would say, the telos, the goal, the one that we long for. We do not come to him as one who just gives us something. We come to him as the goal itself. We want God. We want him. These psalms, they appear in the context of what they call um, the Hallel Psalms. Now, some of you didn't know that you knew Hebrew, but you do. Show of hands. Who in here has ever heard the word hallelujah? Anybody? Show of hands. You know Hebrew. Do you know that? Hallelujah is essentially the command, praise the Lord, hallel, praise Yah, the Lord, Yahweh. And so when uh, your, your translation may actually say, instead of praise the Lord, it may say hallelujah, but what it's actually doing there is it's a command to praise the Lord. And what's going to happen in Psalm 146 and 147, 148, 149, and 150 is this call to praise the Lord, to see him for who he is, and to respond accordingly, And so one of the things that this passage is highlighting for us with this theme of hope is that God is the very one that we come to. That when all the things around us give way, He then is our hope and stay. He is the solid rock upon which we build our lives. One of the reasons why so many of our homes lack hope is because we have built those homes on a foundation other than God Himself. We have looked at all kinds of other things as the thing. That's where my help will come. That's what my hope is. And the problem is, is those are broken foundations. And you don't necessarily notice it immediately, right? And this is scary, but a lot of people don't buy new homes in the middle of December. But if you are in the process of this, I'm not trying to dissuade you from buying a new home or new construction. But you've heard those stories, right? Right? You have a brand new neighborhood. Homes get built really, really fast. Nobody's ever lived in it. And so they move in, and it's pristine, and it's nice. And then two years later, you're like, why is the drywall cracking? And why is the the crown molding separating? I I didn't notice that. And then eventually, you're calling out a, a foundation repair company, and they're going, oh, you have a major problem. And you're like, well, I didn't notice that when I moved into it. And oftentimes that's the way our false foundations and hopes work in this world. We don't realize that they can't sustain the weight and the pressure and the stress of our lives. And over time, as we begin to look at things shifting, we go, what's wrong? And we rarely think about the foundation upon which it's built until things go wrong. And the psalmist is saying, no, 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 no. You've got to return to the God who is our help, the God who is our hope, and build your life there. And it's, it's natural for the psalmist to do this because the Israelites, who these were originally written to, were so good at building their life on things other than Yahweh. Things would Pop up in the middle of the community. They were stressed out. They were stressed out about things, and they were worried about things. And their first thought was not go to the one that delivered us from Exodus, that placed us in this land, who gave us homes that we did not build, who allowed us to eat from vines that we did not plant. Their first thought was, "As well, we obviously need to make a political alliance with Egypt. We obviously need to return to our captive." Because that's what all the other nations are doing, and we need to put our hope in the same things they're hoping in. And then they find, oh no, that that was a bad idea. And then they're taken off into Assyrian captivity. And a few years later, they're taken off into Babylonian captivity. And they're like, well, what went wrong? You forgot that only God is your help and your hope. So the psalmist reminds them, but you may be asking, but how do I know he's worthy of my trust? Fortunately, the psalm doesn't end there. The psalm does not end with a call to bless the Lord and to find our happiness in the hope and the help that is in our God. Verses six through 10 go on. They move from the God who is our hope to ground our hope in the God who has done great things. That's our second point. The God who is our help and hope and secondly, the God who does great things. You may be able to define those great things as the God who creates, sustains, delivers, and protects us. Notice what we find in verses 6, specifically through 9. He's the maker of heaven and earth. That is an unbelievable claim. Unbelievable claim. Maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, he remains faithful forever. We just kind of gloss over that. I learned that in Sunday school. The maker of all things. I, I got to spend um, a night with our trail life troop in um, it was in Huntsville. Is it Sam Houston? Huntsville State, Huntsville State Park. Okay, forget. There's a Sam Houston State Park as well. So we were there. And we took the boys on a nature walk, <clears throat> and you're you're just kind of looking around. And as you step back for a moment and you quit looking at your screen, and you see these huge trees, especially when you see these huge trees in the middle of a thunderstorm, <laughs> you go, "I'm not in control. I'm not in control." At all. Trees are planted, they rise, they give a shade, they come crashing down. God is the maker, the creator, the sustainer of all those things. There's not a single thing that I did at one point on that camping trip that made anything around me sustained. Now you think you're in control, you're not. It's a figment of your imagination. You're not in control of the world. You are a part of the world, you are a creature in the world. You are not the creator of the world. Oh, I don't like that. Go to Galveston Bay and make the waves stop. Oh, you can't do that, can you? That's right. You're not God. You know, I, don't, I, don't like, I don't like this. It's good that you're not God. Amen. It's really good that you're not God. But the God who does, makes waves, come as far as he wants them to come and then stop. He is your God. He is the one who hears your prayers, who sees you and watches over you. He is the God who does great things. He's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Not only that, he sustains those that are oppressed, and he gives food to the hungry. He sets the prisoner free, he delivers, he protects, he lifts up those who are bowed out, he loves the righteous, he watches over the foreigner, and he sustains the fatherless and the wicked and frustrates the ways of the wicked. No, I said he sustains the way of the wicked. He actually sustains the way of the fatherless and the widow. <laughs> he frustrates the wicked. This is the God who does great things, and this is our God, the one that we are told we are blessed, we are happy to know is our help and our hope. This is the one on whom we should build our lives, on whom should be the foundation of everything that we value and we find worthy. He is the goal. He is the one that we aim to know and to love. If our lives and our homes would be full of the happiness and the hope that he has promised, then he must be our God. We've seen thus far, he is the help and the hope of those that call upon him. And why should we hope in him is because of his greatness of what he does. He creates, sustains, delivers, protects, and he is our God. It reminds me of a story I read in a book uh, that I reviewed a few years ago for a journal, book by a man by the name of J.R. Vassar. He's a pastor in Grapevine, Texas. He wrote a book called Glory Hunger. He's telling this story about how he was on a mission trip. I thought this was interesting because I think it describes in many ways the false sense of hope and where we place it and how inadequate the idols of the world are. I'm going to read just a portion of this. He says, One day we were prayer walking through a large Buddhist temple when I witnessed something heartbreaking. A large number of people, very poor and very desperate, were bowing down to a large golden Buddha. Buddha. They were stuffing what seemed to be the last of their money into the treasury box and kneeling in prayer, hoping to secure a blessing from Buddha. On the other side of the large golden idol, scaffolding had been built. The Buddha had begun to deteriorate, and a group of workers were diligently repairing the broken Buddha. I took in this scene. Broken people were bowing down to a broken Buddha, asking the broken Buddha, to return their broken lives and fix their broken lives while someone else fixed the broken Buddha. The insanity and the despair of it all hit me. And I think he's right about this. While we look at this and we go, that's ridiculous. We are no different. We are broken people looking to other broken people and things to fix our broken lives. We are a glory deficient people looking to other glory deficient people and things to supply us with glory. Looking to other people and things to provide us what they themselves lack is a fool's errand. It is futile to look to other glory hungry people and things to fully satisfy our glory glory hunger and doing so leaves our souls empty. He's exactly right. And the psalmist in God's mercy is calling us away from those glory, empty things and people and hopes. And he's saying, turn your eyes upon your God. Where are you looking for help and hope? When the marriage is on the ropes, when the job is uncertain, when the finances don't add up, when the prognosis isn't good and when the kids just won't listen, where do you look? Where do you turn Who will you place your hope in? The psalmist says, happy are those whose help is the Lord. Happy are those who hope, find their hope in the Lord. Now the question here then is, who is this Lord? That's where it gets very significant for an Advent Sunday about hope. This Lord of hope is none other than Jesus the Christ. You say, but you said that Jesus or this hope would be worthy of our affection, worthy of our hope because he did great things. Remember you said, happy is the one that hopes in God. And then you said, our God is the one who does great things. Well, what, what exactly has Jesus done that would, wear, that would merit my help and my hope being Placed in him. I want you to think just for a second, and we don't have these on the screen, so you can just meditate on it as I read it, because I'm going to read it pretty quickly. Colossians 1 15 through 20, describing Jesus. So remember, what did the Psalms say? The Psalmists say in 146 6 He creates and He sustains all things, He's the maker of all things. Listen to how Paul describes Jesus. You know why your car is going to hold together today on the way home? Because Jesus says, hold together. All things hold together because of him. That's your God if you put your trust in him. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in him, everything, in everything, he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Christ Jesus, as the Son of God, I'm not denying the Father or the Spirit's role in the work of creation. I'm I'm just simply recognizing what the Apostle Paul says, that as the only begotten Son of the Father... All things are created through him, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, and he holds all things together. Hebrews 1 would go on to say, by the word of his power. He doesn't hold things all together like you do on Christmas morning when your kids woke up before you, frantically running around, trying to make sure everyone's dressed nice for that picture, to get out the door that you don't forget anything, you don't burn the baked goods that you're taking. He doesn't hold things around like that. He just holds it together by the word of his power. Do not ever imagine that God is somehow wringing his hands, running to and fro in heaven. Scripture describes Jesus as seated. He is at peace, ruling as the God of peace, sustaining all things. But now you go, okay, yeah, but that, the passage said more than just create and sustains. What about these expressions of redemption that God does in the context of Psalm 146 of delivering and protecting us? Yes, he creates and sustains, but I've heard, I've heard people, deists, say things like, oh yeah, well he created, but it's like a blind watchmaker who makes it, closes it up in a system, winds it up, and then puts it on the shelf and doesn't have any type of interaction within it. Is God intimately involved in his creation? Luke 7 18 through 23, talking about Jesus' role in delivering and protecting us. John the Baptist, who we heard from last week in the prophetic ministry, fulfilling Isaiah 40's expectation, John's disciples told him all about the things that they were seeing. Calling two of them, John sent them to the Lord, that's Jesus, and asked, are you the one who is to come? So the expectation of the Christ, the Messiah, the one, the son of David, which we're going to look at next week in Romans 1. Go to him and ask, are you the one to come? Are you the Messiah, or should we expect someone else? And here's the reality. Is, Jesus could have just said, yeah, I'm the one to come. Could he? If you're the one to come, you can just say, yeah, I'm the one to come. That's not what he says. When the people came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you asking are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? I love this. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers. He says, and go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. What have you seen and heard? The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear." the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, Jesus looks at the prophecies in Isaiah, and he thinks about how the psalmist reflecting upon the prophecies, and instead of just saying, I'm the one to come, he says, look at the character of my ministry, and you tell me, am I the one to come? Am I the Lord? And what'd they do? They went back and they said, it's him. He's the one to come. The sustainer and creator of all things is also the one that comes and he protects and he delivers. Is this one, the one who was to come and will come again, is he your help and your hope this morning? Oh, that you would place your hope in him today. Would you build the foundation of your life, of your home on him Everything else is sand. Everything else will disappoint. Every other inclination that you have when things go wrong to turn to other things, and your thought is, what can I do? You cannot do what needs to be done, but the God that we have looked at in this word today, he can and he will and he's inclined to. And he invites us to praise him and to know him through Christ Jesus, his son who came into the world. To deliver us, to sustain us, to create us anew, and to protect us. Would you hope in him this morning? Would you pray with me? If our prayer leaders want to go ahead and make their way to the front. As we close this morning, we have our prayer leaders that are available, and they, they're available for all types of things. They're, they're here to pray with you, About maybe the wreckage that you're sorting through because you've built a foundation that's not God. And that there are very understandable consequences to building on things other than the rock, who is our God, the one who is our help, and the one who is our hope. But the good news is, is he is not only creator, sustainer, he is the recreator, he is the one that grants new beginnings. And who receives us when we turn from our destructive ways and turn to him. And maybe you're a believer here this morning and you just say, I I have built my life on all the wrong things. But this morning I recognize that only God is the one that can make me happy by being my help and my hope. And you just need someone to pray with you and to point you to him. These prayer leaders are available. They'll be available during our closing song. But maybe this morning you're recognizing for the first time, I've never had that type of hope or known that type of help. But I know that's the God that I want, this God that has made himself known in Jesus Christ, the one who came and who is to come again. This morning is an invitation to have your life, your home filled with the hope that only God can bring to turn away from the things of the world as we saw last week, the repentance, by letting go and taking hold of God who is reaching out for you. His arm is not too short to save, no matter how deep you believe, you are in the mire that you have sunk down. He is able. And he's not just able, he's willing. He invites you, come Be made whole. Be filled with hope. Have a heart filled with happiness. Know the blessing it is to be my child. You say, how is that the case? You pray like the sinner in the gospel did. Lord God, have mercy upon me. Jesus, have mercy upon me. Save me. God's word tells us in Romans 10 that the one that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be, but shall be. Will most certainly be saved if you turn and put your trust in Jesus this morning. If that's you, you can pray that right where you're at, but if you would like someone to help you take the next steps in following Jesus, or even pray that with you, oh, you would make these prayer leaders day. And the angels in heaven would rejoice to see one sinner repent and turn and know God is their help and their hope. I'm promising you this morning You will not find the help and hope that you are longing for anywhere other than this God that has revealed himself in Jesus Christ, the creator, sustainer of all things, the one who delivers us and protects us. Would you come to him today? Lord God, would you move in the hearts of your people by your spirit? Would you stir us to pray and sing and rejoice? Lord, help us to be the ones that respond to the command to praise you. Hallelujah, Lord and that you would be magnified this morning. It's in Jesus' matchless name that we ask and pray. Lord, and we depend and ask that you would hear our prayers. As you reflect on the message this week, feel free to reach out to our staff by emailing care at copperfieldchurch.com. We would love to hear from you and pray for you. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and our other podcast, Equipped for Good. Thanks for listening.